has a this has a video here let's I'm gonna play some of this let's. with all the current issues on our agenda we tend to forget that we are in the midst of the fourth industrial revolution which accelerates global change in much more comprehensive and faster ways than the previous three revolutions and you see the difference of this fourth by the way, if you're listening, this is Klaus Schwab talking. Um, different, different interview scenarios, different, different speeches he gives. Um, this one here is recorded on October 13th, 2015. Uh, industrial revolution is. It doesn't change what you are doing. It changes you. If you take a genetic editing, right. uh, just as an example. It's you who exactly. are changed, yeah. and of yeah. course, this has a big impact yeah. on your identity. We need to realize now. This is a uh, Yuval Noah Harari. He's a lead advisor to Klaus Schwab. We we mentioned him a little bit before, but this guy we're going to play more of him later. But this is just kind of giving you an outline mm -hmm. of of the thinking. Uh oh, did it? Did we lose it? Okay. That humans are now hackable animals. You can hack them. A good two-way communication system, direct communication system, between brains and computers, this is kind of a, the, the watershed moment. I mean, once you have a good two-way, nobody has any idea what happens after that. Well, I think maybe in a couple of decades when people look back, the thing they will remember from the COVID crisis is this is the moment when everything went digital. And if, this, is, this was the moment when every, everything became monitored, that we agreed to be surveyed all, all the time, not just in authoritarian machines, but even in democracies. And maybe most importantly at all, this was the moment when surveillance started going under the... Now, in a way, this was a dream of dictators and totalitarian regimes throughout history. But they, never, they were never able to actually accomplish this. Even if you have a KGB agent following you around 24 hours a day, they still don't really know what's happening inside you. And technically, you can't have a KGB agent following every Soviet citizen around 24 hours a day because you don't have 200 million KGB agents. It's impossible. Now it is becoming possible. It's possible for the first time in history to follow everybody all the time. And it's possible, it is becoming possible to go under the skin. It's not just seeing where you go, who you meet, what you say. It's actually understanding what you feel and what you think. And There's a report from, a joint report from the government of the UK. So this wow. is a, this... <laughs> Wow. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to give it ears. Yeah. Because um, I'm a little bit familiar, but I'm trying to listen to it like I've never heard this before. And it, it is a mod. It's a movie. It's yeah. something, it's so wild, my ears can barely receive it. It's right. like, what did he just say? It's that yeah. thing. And everybody hearing it should have that same right. kind of 
Yeah, it should cause you to go. Uh, 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 no, Did what? he just what? <laughs> What's this brother talking about? That is bananas. Um, okay. Let me let me. I want to find some more. Jeez. So this guy, well, well, I'll give you more of a bio on him later. I just I just want them to kind of hear him talk and just let it wash over you. <laughs> Spirit and the humans are now hackable animals. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. Free will, that's over. That's over. Over. Today, we have the technology to hack human beings on a massive scale. Yeah, I mean, everything is being digitalized. Everything is being monitored. In this time of crisis, you have to follow science. It's often said that you should never allow a good crisis to go to waste because a crisis is an opportunity to also do re good reforms that in normal times people will never agree to. But in a crisis, you see we have no chance. So, 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 so let's do it. So let me pause there. Yeah, what you got there? Hack as in like when your Instagram gets hacked <laughs> or when your Facebook, I remember my Instagram got hacked and you, you've been hacked. Yeah, man. Hack human beings like that is what he's, I'm thinking he's using that same definition of the word, you know, yeah, it, so hack it, humans. At first I thought he meant just more like manipulation through propaganda that they would feed based on algorithms and stuff like that. And I think that is one one level of it, but I, but actually, the more you listen to these guys, you'll see free will. That's you'll over. see the transhumanist element where they want okay. to put stuff Jeez. into people's Ooh. bodies and actually through digital means actually control. And elements, one more thing, could y'all sense? Sorry to cut you off. No, up. go ahead. You sense that he was pleased with <laughs> the COVID crisis and its results, and that humans were at at that stage where most willingly yes would lay down whatever it takes and would rather be hacked than face this fear and overcome this kind of right would freely yes, yes. welcome that he was like that that was the moment the watershed moment yep so you, you and you and you already like alarm like philosophical alarm bells should be going off um and you should be making a sketch of this guy's worldview. Sure. Where is he coming okay. from? So, uh, you know, typically when someone says like, there's no soul um, yeah. in human beings, there's no free will. Yeah. Almost, you know, 99 times out of a hundred, they're going to be a materialist an atheistic materialist um, where there is no, there's no soul in the human person. And so I just want to reiterate at this point that he's the advisor to Klaus Schwab yep. of the World Economic Forum where 50 heads of state assembled. Yes. So that conversation. Oh, that, more heads of state. Like these are the 55 corporations, like leading corporations. So, but yeah. We'll, we'll get to the heads okay. of state. 100, like, Mo, but you're right. I just want to recap that. That's, reiterate. Yes. That he's he was yes. the advisor to the leader of that gathering. Yes. Okay. Yep. And so um, he says, you know, the science, he's, he's one of those trust yes. the science guys. Now you'll hear, you'll hear more of his worldview come out, but just note that like it, this is a, this is a worldview in play. Worldview, that's good. Um, and it what is. does that entail? Cause he, he is actually a guy that I think tries to be consistent with his atheism, which is really dangerous. 
Like we like the atheists who are inconsistent with their worldview <laughs> and they still believe in like human dignity and value, sure. for instance, because that yeah. doesn't make sense on atheism. But there are atheists who thankfully still intuitively hold to what we would call the image of God doctrine in their heart. The humanists, yeah. they think that human beings have value. But with somebody like him who's trying to be consistent with the fact that human beings don't have a soul, they don't have inherent no value, what does that mean for his policy that he's going to, you know, when he says we want to work toward the good, what does he mean by good? Right. What does progress mean? What is the, what is the utopian vision that these guys okay. have? So People could look back in 100 years and identify the coronavirus epidemic as the moment when a new regime of surveillance took over, especially surveillance under the skin. There's going to be a lot of breakthroughs on the medical front, uh, particularly around the synthetic uh, mRNA. Uh, you can basically do anything with uh, synthetic uh, RNA, DNA. Um, it's, really, it's like a computer program. So, I mean, I think with enough with with uh, with effort, that's not too crazy. You could probably stop aging, reverse it if you want. Um, uh, these are you can basically do it. You can turn someone into a freaking butterfly if you want with the right DNA sequence. And by the way, that's Elon Musk talking. He's to him. So, and he's another case that we have to w just pause it's, on. It's like with this Wild. and Twitter, it's interesting stuff going on with him it's right nice. now. Okay. But he, you know, the reason many people are suspicious of him even doing these good things, seemingly good things at Twitter right now is because of his history with the World Economic Forum and his history with transhumanism. Yeah. And you kind of hear that come out in that speech. I'm just going to pause on him for now because I want to spend more on World Economic Forum, but we'll come back to that. Historian Yuval Harari has developed his vision of the future by studying the past. His Israeli roots are of crucial importance to the formation of his view of the future. Well, I think that living in Israel and in the Middle East gives you a different perspective on the modern age and on technology in general. Harari's story is catching. He effortlessly defines the connection between the past and the future and explains what influence the development of technology has had on humanity. He's now using all of that knowledge to give us his vision for the future. Uh, with especially the rise of brain-computer interfaces and biometric sensors and so forth, it is very likely that within, say, 50 years, people will literally be part of a network. All the bodies, all the brains would be connected together to a network, and you won't be able to survive if you're disconnected from the net. Because your own body parts, your own immune system, perhaps depends on being constantly connected to the colony, to the network. So just to give you the range, um, it's now 600 uh, highly educated people uh, located around the world, particularly in Geneva, where our headquarters is. So that's the forum. This is a very disturbing um, the progress for many, peop for many people, and they just feel overwhelmed. And you develop some kind of a bunker mentality. You say, uh, why not my little, small world? 
Um, and this creates a kind of um, uh, tendency to, of egoism, um, maybe uh, even nationalism, mm -hmm. fundamentalism. You want to go back to the old world. And that's, for example, also certainly one of the reasons uh, for um, the success uh, of uh, presidential candidate Trump. I'm very honored and pleased to introduce the Honorable Joe Biden, the Vice President of the United States. I'm so pleased to see you back here in Davos because I remember before you assumed your position as Vice President of the United States, you came here as a senator, you came here as the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee of the Senate. And I have to say, in my memory, you were one of the most engaged and hardest working participants here at the annual meeting. You've written extensively on the topic that you've asked me to speak to. Mastering the Fourth Industrial Revolution. This fora decide, defines uh, that as a change fueled by a digital revolution. And you see, the difference of this Fourth uh, Industrial Revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing. It changes you. If you take a genetic editing, right. uh, just as an example, it's you who exactly. are changed, yeah. and of yeah. course this has a big impact on yeah. your identity. Yeah. And data processing is the new source of authority. Don't listen to the Bible, and don't listen to your feelings. Listen to Amazon, listen to Google. They know how you feel. They know you better than you know yourself, and they can make better decisions on your behalf than you can. I mean, all this story about Jesus rising from the dead and being the son of God, this is fake news. You don't have any answer in the Bible what to do when humans are no longer useful to the economy. You need completely new ideologies, completely new religions, and they are likely to emerge from Silicon Valley or from Bangalore and not from uh, uh, the Middle East. And they are likely to, pro to give people visions based on technology. Everything that the old religions promised, uh, happiness and justice and even eternal life, but here on earth with the help of technology and not after death with the help of some supernatural being. That's, Jeez, that's what we want. Is we live near Silicon Valley yeah. <laughs> Them jokers. We want a religion they come up with. That's hilarious. Um, I think that there was a screen behind him too said something like the, the, his talk was the myths that help us. Mm. And so he thinks the Bible and all that stuff was myths that just helped humanity along the way at some point. Now they can be discarded. Wow. And you can hear Klaus Schwab too talking about, you know, oh, people's reaction to this is going to be egoism. It's going to be patriotism. It's going to be, you know, yeah. and that's Revert the people we have to, to overcome in essence, for this new world order. They've been using that language still, and a lot of people have been posting that in this year's World Economic Forum. Like, world yeah, order. they keep talking about the new world order. It's the same new world order they've been, you know, Bush was talking about back in the day. Um, same thing, but 
you know, it's very interesting. What any any thoughts on that that we listen to? It's crazy. Lots more here. Where'd you find this? Where's this? Yeah, I that mean, was just like... compiled. Like again, in this uh, time to free America. Okay. And you can click on like it has click these two leading people right here, and it it'll tell you about them. It says so. Klaus Schwab is the founder of World Economic Forum. And the author of COVID nineteen, the Great Reset, and the Great Narrative. And you, yeah, go, go ahead, ahead, sweetheart. Yuval Harari is a lead advisor to Klaus Schwab, and one of the most. And these are these are links in here. Um, further stuff you can dive into, but one of the most outspoken endorsers of transhumanism. Um, he wrote, I guess, Great Reset Agenda. Um, Yuval Noah Harari is the author highly endorsed by former United States President Barack Hussein Obama. Yuval Harari is an Israeli public thought leader and intellectual. He works at a Hebrew university in Department of, of History and an outspoken proponent of transhumanism. I, I, I just, you know, once again reiterating that Joe Biden... President Joe Biden <laughs> was very much engaged. He introduces him as no, he was the vice president at that th- at, at that, that time. time yeah. That he One was he had come work, yeah. several times and was very much enthralled and engaged with the World Economic Forum. Let that sink in, y'all. He's engaged, he's excited, he's there, he spoke. Yep. Yep, so that, you know, th- this starts to give, right now you should just be getting yeah. kind of a rough picture of what these guys, like, Yeesh. what is their worldview, what is their vision for this better world? Um, who are the people that are in line with that? Who are Because, um, as we're going to hear later, a lot of world leaders have been attending this every year. Now, some people might be thinking, well, you know, didn't Trump go to the That's World it, Economic yeah. Forum? And he actually did. He spoke there in 2018, I believe, and 2020. Um, here is... Actually, a little. I, I want to just play a little bit of his speech okay. at the 2018 um, World Economic Forum because it's pretty interesting. Okay. Production. America is the place to do business. So come to America where you can innovate, create, and build. I believe in America. Listen to this. As President of the United States, I will always put America first, just like the leaders of other countries should put their country first also. But America first does not mean America alone. So wow. what yeah. you'll learn about this is that this was a very inflammatory speech, actually. For sure. Because he uh, Schwab mentioned this a minute ago, like the old way is nationalism. They hate, see, this is a globalist movement. They want a global government run by an elite of scholars, um, business owners, Bill Gates, you know, very connected with these guys. Um, people that are nation people, nation first, are their in- primary enemies. So Trump in that statement no was making a nationalistic statement. Now we would say biblically there's a, there's a such thing as Christian globalism and anti-Christian globalism, Christian nationalism, anti-Christian mm-hmm. nationalism. But basically we would say biblically God created nations and you and the the 
the um, responsibility of the leader is for that nation. And that's in essence what he said, like other other sure. leaders should be responsible putting for putting their nation right first. You put their nation first. That doesn't mean your nation only. That doesn't justify um, being unjust or being unfair in trade. It doesn't justify um, evil in any kind of way. But it's sort of like as, as a husband, I have authority over and I'm responsible for my family, right? I don't have authority yeah. over someone else's family, no. nor do I have responsibility to look no. out for their family's interests and to provide for them. In essence, that's what a nation should be. World Economic Forum doesn't want either. No. They, they want state. Want the they want state they want control want... over nations from a global state perspective. They also don't want families mm. staying the way. That's part of the old way, which is why the transhumanism movement is wedded with the transgender movement mm. as well. Um, and so once you begin to understand, like, these worldviews are in conflict, um, that's why even though Putin, for instance, I think was part of, like, the World Economic Forum Young Leaders, now he seems to be an enemy, at least on the surface, of the World Economic Forum. Trump seems to be an enemy of the Davos crowd. Um, now, that doesn't mean that everything that Trump and Putin, that right. doesn't make them good. That's a whole separate, you have to judge that on separate categories. But what it does mean is it kind of gives you an outline of where people are standing with regard to, do they want this globalist um, United Nations kind of takeover thing, or do they want nation first and to work with other nations on that basis? And so that gives you a picture Um they could still be bad guys on other scores, whatever. Um, but Zelensky, for instance, is a puppet of the World Economic Forum. So that's why when you know this stuff, it, it can kind of inform like when they're starting to tell you, you know, when you're seeing on the media the story they're giving you about what's going on, you can start to question that and say, man, is that is this an expression of the World Economic Forum controlled media outlets um, trying to give me a propagandized story for their aims, or is this, or is there, you know, is it true, or is there something else going on? If you want to grow in your confidence in knowing what you believe and why you believe it, if you want to ground your faith in biblical Christianity and step into who God has called you to be, I want to tell you about a great program put on by Impact 360, and it's called Propel. Propel is a one-week transformational leadership and discipleship experience where high school students gather together to be grounded in a biblical worldview as they learn how to follow Jesus, have a godly influence, learn how to disciple their peers, and boldly live out their faith in their daily lives. So they're having two sessions this summer. The first one is June 19th through the 25th, and the second one is June 26th through July 2nd. These programs fill up really quickly, and I promise you, you will not be disappointed. So we'll put the link below if you're interested in looking into it. And we'll see you this summer. Um, there's, you can look this up too. In fact, I'll, I'll do it with you. But if you remember back to Biden's Build Back Better um, yeah. kind of slogan that he was using. Uh, I'm going to go here real quick so you can watch me do this rumble. Uh, let's see, Build Back Better. And see what pulls up here. Yeah, this should be a uh, let's let's watch this and, and see what you say. Sorry for the name there. <laughs> Very pertinent question to ask: How do we build back better? 
to build back better or whatever. I think that was Tony Blair. That was uh, yeah. Greta Thunberg. Mm-hmm. You know, how dare you, girl? I, I'm not sure. A chance to reset the clock and build back better than before. To build back better than before. Andrew Cuomo. The, the terrible damage Hillary. of COVID as we try to build back from this uh, global pandemic. Joe Biden calls it build back better. Old build Nancy. back better. Billion. Building back better. Justin do Trudeau. Differently. I forget to build Boris. Back what was his name? Better. Boris Johnson. We're going to build it back better. And build it back better. Brother My Obama. plan to build back better. Uh, start taking all the problems that have been created Gates in education and mental health and start to, wow. to build back in a positive way. I have launched a booklet called Build Back Better, Britain After Coronavirus. It's about building this country back better. Growing conspiracy following it. It is called the Great Reset. An unprecedented opportunity to rethink and reset the ways in which we live. The great opportunity for reset. The theory even calls Mr. Biden's campaign slogan, Build Back Better, a front for the conspiracy. Build back better. Building back better our economy Build back better. All elements of the Great Reset are fundamental to building the future we need. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. It's a big effort to, some would say, to build back back better. We would say to really have a great reset. Conspiracy, conspiracy. Conspiracy. So Klaus Schwab said, some would say to build back better, but what would we say? To have a great reset. So in essence, you know, you see the the talking point slogan there that everybody that was doing that or basically World Economic Forum sock puppets. Yeah. You know. Wow. And um, it's very interesting. It's on display. And so, you know, if, if, if you come to think like I do that the World Economic Forum is probably one of the greatest enemies to really humanity, yeah, but especially to um, to Christians, to you know people that would love you know basic human rights, <laughs> um, then you need to know like with who any, with is some ambition, dreams ex- for the future. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So who who is you know who is standing with them who's working for them That's in other words so good, love. man um so again like go to this uh, you, somebody says today like you don't want you want to you want to set your gaze up upon the lord yeah. but you do want to glance at this stuff so don't 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 spend you know all your time going down the rabbit hole but i would say you could take a few hours and go down and click on some of this stuff and it will really give you a picture um, of what the World Economic Forum is, what these guys are doing, who they're connected to, and how it's going to how it's impacting us now, and what their plans for the near future are. Uh, and in essence, like there's you know the scripture here um, that we've talked about before in in First Chronicles uh, twelve thirty two here from Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. It was naming all the tribes of Israel. And the, the, the men of Issachar, they understood the times and therefore knew what they should do. You can't really know what to do, right? We don't, we don't know what to do in this cultural moment if we don't really understand 
the times. Um, there's another scripture here. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's that's good. You know that uh, this is in Second Corinthians two, and um, the, Paul is writing here, and he says, "My purpose in writing writing you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. If you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And if I forgive anything, I have forgiven it in the presence of Christ for your sake." And this is good right here. In order that Satan should not outwit us, mm-hmm. for we are not unaware of his schemes. Amen. And we see that in Ephesians 6 as well, being aware of the schemes of the mm-hmm. devil. So we put on the armor and we defend against those things. And part of understanding his schemes is we understand how he works on us as individuals. But we also need to understand how he's working in this grand global scheme so that we're not taken in. And for instance, we became, we were just talking about this a little bit ago. But when we started to kind of dig in um, on the on the COVID thing and say, man, what's really going on here? I think you dig deeper and deeper and deeper and you realize this is how it impacts you. And, And not to not to put shame or fear into anybody that has, you know, whatever you reacted in whatever kind of way. Maybe you took the vaccine or whatever. But once we saw, for instance, that Bill Gates expressed publicly that he was a depopulationist he said specifically on a ted talk that we needed to reduce the world's population by 15 percent. and if we did a good job with, with vaccines, vaccines we could do that that was part of the list he if we do a good job with xyz that and should vaccines. be all you need to hear so once you hear that yeah and then you find out that oh man he's intimately involved with the who in the NIH and this whole vaccine rollout, that was enough for me to see that and who's pushing it to at least pause yeah, and say, okay, my default position right now needs to be hesitancy. (laughs) I need to wait this thing out and see what's really going on. Now we're, we're going to discover also that not only is Bill Gates really connected with the WEF and he is a depopulationist, Many of a lot of their um, kind of formulaic material is also depopulationist. Mm-hmm. So when they say things like they're for sustainable growth and building back better, what do they mean by that? They they they're trading on those terms the same way BLM did, mm-hmm. because they understand like yeah we want like it's part of <clears throat> it's part of our worldview is is Christians say yes every life Black Lives Matter because every life is made in the image of God right. Yeah. So they can trade off that and combine it with this narrative that there's this unfair um, killing going on by police. They smuggle into all that. That becomes a Trojan horse by which they try to smuggle in this Marxist thing to actually undo the entire edifice that can even lead to real progress. But they do it in the name of something positive. Yeah. Same thing going on with the World Economic Forum. And that's what I'm going to show you here in in um, on the website. I'm just want to I'm going to pull up the World Economic Forum at website and show you just a little bit about what they got going on. Anything you want to add? Um, yeah, just pause. And then the way when you said that when you saw that Bill Gates mm-hmm. was a depopulationist, depopulationist. Yeah. And that they through vaccines. Mm-hmm he could accomplish his goals or the goals he thought should be accomplished. And then yeah. the rolling out of the vaccine all over 
the workforce, the marketplace, yep. media, the push, <clears throat> the push, the push, the push. Unlike anything else you've ever seen, um, my mom's cancer treatment was put on pause. Mm. You know, there's lots of um, inconsistencies. Yeah, You can go into the stupid market. You can go into the market. You just remain six feet apart. Don't touch anything, anyone. But anybody could touch any grocery. <clears throat> right. <laughs> and you could check. So there was just so much. Yeah, there were so many inconsistencies that reminded you of, like, what is this really about? Because if it was really about human safety and flourishing, it just didn't seem that way. Right. If you used your scruples. But yeah, and so going forward from here on out, forward. like our, our purpose in this is to try to make people aware of the schemes and say, okay, like we, because we've been taking it, I've been taking in, you know, Absolutely. I didn't realize all the years I was growing up what kind of propaganda was coming in my head yeah, and training sure. my mind in certain directions. So part of it is like you have to deconstruct that propaganda mm-hmm. and have a have a biblical transformation of your mind. And yeah. you have to like you have to know their playbook. So now anytime I see like, you know, Disney's promoting something, Apple's promoting something, Spotify's promoting something. I'm like, hmm, what's going Who's giving them their marching orders? Yeah. You know, and it doesn't matter what it is, like whatever slogan is. I, I, I automatically should have the disposition of I need to check into that. Sure. You just wondered. Yeah. Um, so here's here's, okay. here's the World Economic Forum. I, I kind of skipped ahead here just for time's sake, but I was pulling pulling stuff up. So they have a web of um, – I'll pull up this web. Let me see if I can pull up this web real quick. WEForum.org. They have these maps. So if you go up here, you can see here okay. the metaverse, workforce and employment, artificial intelligence, climate change. Um, then they have these other other topics. And so you, when you click on these things, you'll see like th- this year at the World Economic Forum, their big thing is climate change. OK, that's th- they have two kind of major things is this is another thing you can recognize from their their sort of playbook. Whenever they're warning of the possibility of such and such happening, it's gonna come. typically it, it's either they know it's coming or they're planning on making it come. <laughs> And so right now they're war- they're they keep warning about cy- major, major cyber yeah. attacks, and so that that's a good clue that man there there's probably something going on with that um, climate change. It's hard to, they there's a button on that time to free America where they talk about weather manipulation. I'll let you look at that. I hadn't really had time to look at that, but either they're they're going to engage in that if they have any hand in it to try to show that there's climate change so they can increase their control, or maybe they're just going to play off stuff that happens and you know sometimes it's just taking advantage of a crisis sometimes it's creating that crisis we don't always know which is which but you can see here on the world economic forum website what they're about like this is all their stuff explore other topics so you click on diversity and inclusion for instance Mm -hmm. and this pulls up Mm -hmm. so you can see already they're they're definitely Part of their agenda is to push the LGBTQ oh, yeah. thing. You see that all yes. through there. Um, and so this is our mission, embedding equity and inclusion into economies, economies and yeah. societies. Um, well, what does that mean? You know, they use those terms. Once you understand, you click through this stuff, you realize um, – they're try- they they want to enforce from a top-down place that you hire people that identify as LGBTQ. They want to have um, quotas. 
this kind of thing. So you can see right here why LGBTQ representation should be a priority for business and media. So the leaders over there, the corporations are going to start telling them, okay, you need to have, you need to start having in your high level I leadership, see. people that identify as these things. You need to crack down on any speech, Twitter or whoever, YouTube of anybody that's talking against LGBTQ movement, the World Economic Forum is going to push that. So gender equality is better for all of us. So why is it taking so long to close the gender gap? You know, um, eight diversity, equity, inclusion of initiatives that had real impact. So this is something they're celebrating. It's called DEI in 2023. You can flip through that in your own time, our impact partnering for racial justice when you I've looked through some of the racial justice and it's suffused with critical race theory um, so it's a it's a Marxist kind of approach to race so there it's not in any way biblical justice it's injustice here's this coalition of organizations um, that they put together that's committed to accelerating LGBTI equality and inclusion in the workplace so there you know you can see that there um, they're kind of highlighting and promoting all that stuff. So that's that's part and parcel of the World Economic Forum. Uh, let's see if I can find their uh, map real quick. Because the map is, is actually pretty interesting. So yeah, you can see they have basically these interactive maps um, talk about sustainable development they're mentioning these places. There's um, climate change. So let's let's click on that and see if it pulls up. So it has like these, if you notice, like if you're looking on here, it has this circle with all these items around it. And you'll see that they all connect and you have air pollution. Um, but you might, have, you see social justice up here. Food security. Yep. And so it's, it, in other words, it's a vision. Oh boy! Of like all of those the places. diversity, equity, inclusion. Mm -hmm. Their LGBTQ stuff mixed with COVID nineteen, mixed with the yes. forest, the trees. So it's, in other words, they have this, they have this holistic worldview of utopian thing okay. that they want to implement, and they want to do this by influencing these world leaders okay. to all take it and basically be in lockstep with their agenda, whatever mm -hmm. that might be. And so you have to understand, like, you, you, you shouldn't hear their, their claims when everybody's talking about climate change on the media and stuff like that. You got to hear that. You got to filter that through this, this um, kind of sieve that, okay, that who's trying to push this idea? What, and what, are they, what are they saying the problem is and what is the solution? Because they have these solutions that are ready-made. Um, they just happen to be things like, give the power to us yeah. <laughs> um, and let us run things. And yeah. we're going to, you, you know, we're going to have you eat bugs and we'll take away your meat. You know, that's part of their um, world economic forum thing too. So I just want to kind of give you guys like th this is not conspiracy. It's right here to be read. You can, you can do your own research, go to time to free America. Look at that stuff. There's so much there to look at, but I want to hop back and, and as we finish up um, talk about, this this article this guy wrote because I think he wraps this up well mind you I read actually read I, I subjected myself to reading half of this book that he wrote COVID-19 and the Great Reset where he's basically you know trying to use this as a as an opportunity to get rid of capitalism and reshape the economy based on socialist principles so that's sort of what he's what he's talking about 
in this third part. Um, but just for time's sake, skipping through here, let's go to, okay. to part four here. So he says this, if you understand nothing else about Klaus Schwab and his World Economic Forum, get this, they are godless. Mm. That matters. From your answer to the question, does God exist, flows the whole of your worldview. If your government thinks you are a product of random chance and necessity, and that there is no God to judge in the next life their actions in this one, history demonstrates with chilling clarity how that plays out. In part three of this series, I said that Schwab's literary references in his book, sorry, in his books, suggested a shallow understanding of the humanities and none whatsoever of religion. There are, however, numerous philosophical references in which he reveals a more intimate knowledge with Friedrich Nietzsche, Antonio Gramsci, Steven Pinker, Yuval Noah Harari, and Peter Singer, to name only a few. This is telling. All of them are atheists and aggressively so. Mm. Schwab quotes them favorably, and the WEF has taken a little from each, uh, and that the WEF has taken a little from each is obvious. From Nietzsche, the idea of the Superman who can face the harsh reality of a world without any ultimate transcendent hope. Gramsci, an evil little Italian communist, contributed the ideas for the overthrow of the Christian and democratic West. Ideas that informed the subversive tactics of the radical left from BLM to the sexualization of children. Pinker, a cognitive psychologist at Harvard, sang the siren song of perpetual human progress in his books, The Better Angels of Our Nature and Enlightenment Now, a tune irresistible to secular scientific elites. Harari, that's the guy we heard from earlier, a historian at Hebrew University in Jerusalem, has written a personal mission statement reading, quote, care about the suffer- care about suffering, unquote. And yet, according to Ian Parker of The New Yorker, Harari nonetheless speaks of suffering with, quote, nihilistic composure, unquote. Adds Parker, the subject of human suffering, even extreme suffering, doesn't seem to agitate Harari in quite the way that industrial agriculture does. Perhaps that's because his original mission statement quote, embrace ambiguity, unquote, leaves open the question of whose suffering he cares about. Oh boy. And Singer, Peter Singer, a bioethicist at Princeton University, is quite possibly the most influential philosopher of the second half of the 20th century and beyond. Okay. In 1975, he published Animal Liberation, giving rise to the modern animal rights movement. And this is the author speaking. He says, once when dining with him in his hometown of Melbourne, Australia, I listened as he explained his animal rights philosophy. A vegetarian, for obvious reasons, he ordered nochi. Wordlessly, I expressed my views on animals and their place within creation by ordering kangaroo. (laughs) He is the most philosophically consistent atheist I have ever met. Mm. And I've known more than a few in addition to debating the late atheist journalist christopher hitchens tufts cognitive scientist daniel dennett and skeptic magazine editor michael Shermer, i organized and chaired three of oxford evolutionary biologist richard dawkins debates but singer is by far the most dangerous of the lot Mm. and that is because he is willing to follow his atheism to its dark conclusion conclusions Mm. 
Journalist Kevin Toulis writes of him, what is legitimate for Singer is just plain murder for other people. It is Singer's view that man is an animal like any other and that he deserves no special status among the various species. That is, he argues a resident, a res, sorry, that is, he argues a residual of Christian thought. Worse, he has argued that parents should get 28 days with a newborn child to determine if they want to keep it or euthanize it. This is where atheism puts to its logical outcome takes you, and it's where the WEF would like to take the rest of us. This brings us to Dennis Meadows, Emeritus Professor of Systems Management of the University of New Hampshire. Meadows is an original member of the Club of Rome and one of the co-authors of Limits of Growth, Limits to Growth, a mega bestseller, listen to this, that informs the WEF's agenda. Hmm. Limits to Growth. Meadows thinks we must reduce the global population by all oh, a mere six to seven billion people. But no worries, he wants to do it quote, peacefully, unquote. These are the people from whom Schwab and the WEF take their cues. Pinker, Harari, Singer, and Meadows are WEF agenda contributors, quote, unquote. That's a little more than what appears at the bottom of this article. The views expressed in this piece are those of the author. Read their books. Watch them in smug conversation. They simply cannot resist telling you what they think and what they want to do. They are your would-be overlords. Combine these murderous ideas with politicians who have, who have the power to implement them. And this is what I was saying. More than 50 government leaders attended this year's, this was 2022. Okay. So you were right, it was 50s. So more than 50 government leaders attended this year's WEF annual meeting. And you have a toxic combination. You can click on that link and see who it was. Take, for example, Ursula von der Leyen. Perhaps you saw her recently in the news. She is the unelected president of the European Commission who threatened Italy with unspecified sanctions should they elect a prime minister at odds with the EU's vision for the continent. I'm delighted to say the Italians defied von der Leyen. She is also a WEF agenda contributor and is front and center in this WEF leadership photo. At bottom, the WEF has no actual power. They possess no armies. They hold no seat at the UN. They are stateless. What they have is influence. Schwab is a Mr. is Mr. Networker guy. He has managed to gather world leaders of disparate cultures, languages of democratic and non-democratic countries, some of who are enemies, all of whom have participated on a voluntary basis, and he's given them an organizing vision. But it's not Dell Carnegie how to win friends and influence people <laughs> techniques that have enabled him to do it. It's the product he is selling and that they all want. Absolute power. It is a fact of history. We are always just a step from totalitarianism. Those politicians who would readily embrace it and the thugs who would readily enforce it are always there. It just needs someone to speak into it, it into being, to offer a roadmap to get there. That's what the WEF offers, and it offers it all under the cover of environmental and humanitarian virtue. Do you really think Xi 
are Saudi Prince Mohammed bin Salman, both WEF participants, really care about a, quote, sustainable future? The WEF deals in the laundering of reputations, those of current or aspiring tyrants in particular. In my considerable experience engaging men who posture as some of the world's smartest, I've discovered that when it comes to seductive but unworkable utopian ideas, intellectuals are not unlike football coaches with talented but troublesome players. (laughs) They are sure that they will be able to succeed where the last guy could not. As a consequence, Marxism and fascism live on like Antonio Brown's career. And we're wrapping up here. With the threat of a climate apocalypse serving as Plato's noble lie, Marxist-style government power grabs are taking place all over the Western world. But Marxism could never survive on its own because Marxist economics don't work. So... It must always adopt a fascist element, loosening government restrictions on private property in a market economy, not totally, but as the Chinese have done it, quote, socialism with Chinese characteristics, unquote. The addition of ESG, environmental social governance, is that fashion element, a kind of coercive corporate social credit system, which is what they want to implement. Once compliance is fully in place, it will bring all industry to government heel. The path to totalitarianism, you see, is quite clear. I have visited the sites of past claimants to the utopian throne. They are not, as you might suppose, great works of architecture or museums housing their treasures. Nope. They are places with names like Auschwitz, Hmm. Mauthausen, Buchenwald, Babinyar, Lefertovo, and Lubyanka. They are the homes I visited in Cuba, China, Russia, Vietnam, and half a dozen more where dissenters must hide from the regime. Because the most consistent feature of earthly utopias is their gulags and their gallows. But there is, I think, let me say it like that, but there is, I think, a path to a sustainable future for freedom. In his book, Civilization, the West and the Rest, Harvard historian Niall Ferguson quotes a scholar from the Chinese Academy of Sciences. This is a quote. We were asked to look into what accounted for the preeminence of the West over all the world. At first, we thought it was because you had more powerful guns than we had. Then we thought it was because you had a better, the best political system. Next, we focused on your economic system, but in the past 20 years, we have realized that at the heart of your culture is religion, Christianity. That is why the West has been so powerful. The Christian moral foundation of social and cultural life was what made it possible the emergence of capitalism and then the successful transition to democratic politics. We don't have any doubt about this. Mm -hmm. For centuries, the Christian faith served as the West's bulwark against moral and political evils. But with the decline of Christian belief has come a corresponding rise in perversions of every kind. Rather than a Christian culture, we've become Christian-ish. Thus, concepts with a Christian foundation, love, freedom, tolerance, diversity, stewardship of the environment, care of the poor, etc., are easily hijacked and harnessed to a destructive end. If the West is to survive in any recognizable sense, it must be more than Christian-ish. As T.S. Eliot observed, if Christianity goes, 
the whole culture goes. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, we we as a nation have we have a choice to make. Yeah. Based on what's being presented here, it's just yeah. Yeah. And then those that know it's the thing where we'll have to be brave for the rest at times. Mm. You know, cuz you know people who who are on this side. Mm in the name of what they're dangling and, and kind of yeah. pushing and it, it seems noble at first, but we're going to have to get more clever and see past the, the rhetoric and, um, the slogans. No, that's good. Babe. I think you're right. And that, and in essence, the reason yeah. why we're bringing this even before is not, is not a fear tactic. It's not, no, it's, it's not it's to really... black pill someone, which is like give up and you know, it's all over. Let's run for the Hills. But it is to say, I, I really do believe mm-hmm. that in response to the Great Reset, there, there's going to be the great pushback. And I, I don't think this is like that we're doomed to fall prey to that. I pray we're not. I don't think we are. Um, I could be wrong, but I, I think I feel like God is stirring up a, a response. But it does have to come from his church. You know, it's in. And some of the primary ways of that are training up the next generation. It's um, it's the little day in and day out things we talked about last last time. It's it's training your mind, having your mind renewed and transformed, and being able to see through the schemes. And then where you do have a platform, sharing it with people and helping them to understand the times yeah. and, and to know what to do because we really are in this spiritual war, and we've been as, as human beings, right? This isn't anything completely new. It's just got a new tech. You know, it's like the technocracy side is a little bit new with the te- mm-hmm. the particular type of technology that's being employed, mm-hmm. but it's it's the same old lies that we've had to contend with, and so we have to stand. We have to um, embody yeah. the the nature of Christ. We have to train that's up good. ourselves, train the next generation, keep fighting the good fight, understand our opponents' tricks work through it and we will win in, in Jesus name. Amen. We know ultimately we win, but I, I, I even think in the, in the, the place we're at now, there's, Crazy. there's, yeah. there's, um, there's a call and a, a legitimate, um, opportunity to have a great awakening in response to the great reset. So, all right. Well, thank you guys for being with us through this extended, uh, time. Uh, yeah, just we'll, uh, stay in touch write us got some people that wrote us on email this week it was good to to interact with them so uh, reach out to us if you got any thoughts questions want to know any more research we can we can point you towards and bless you guys and we'll see you next time Avenue